This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. Hey, good morning, church. This is our fourth week of our May Mission Month. I want to thank Jackie and I want to thank Gabby for what they've just shared about what's happening at East Hills Girls High School. We're going to pray and then we're going to dive into the Word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day and we thank you for what you're doing in East Hills Girls High School. Father, may the message of Jesus, the gospel news, the good news of Jesus be proclaimed clearly in that school. May many young girls come to Jesus because of what is presented. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, as we come to your word now, we pray that you would speak to us, open our ears and hearts to hear from you, bring transformation to our lives and help me to remember what I prepared and speak this clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, the question I have for you today is this. Is good news really good news if people don't hear it? Interesting question. Hey, one more time. Is good news really good news if people don't hear it? Last week, I spoke on what is real Christianity. And I looked at what is at the core, what is at the center of Christianity. And we saw that it's this, that it's the gospel, that the main message of the Bible, that at the very center of Christianity is the message about Jesus, the gospel, which is the good news about Jesus. Last week, we looked at this from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And in this passage in 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about the gospel in five ways. It says, number one, that this gospel is of first importance. The second thing that we see is the gospel is explained. The third thing is that the gospel saves us. The fourth thing is that this gospel must be received. And the fifth thing is that it's, it's the gospel that we build our life on. It's the gospel that we stand on. I want us to go back to that passage from 1 Corinthians 15, look at it briefly again, and lay the foundation of the importance of the gospel because it is the center of Christianity. Let's look at it, 1 Corinthians 15. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel or the good news I preached to you, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. Verse 3, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised, and on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that is Simon Peter, and then to the Twelve. And then the rest of these verses go on to talk about how then Jesus appeared to many others, including 500 other people, and to Paul himself, the writer of this text. Now, in this passage, the gospel is talked about in five ways, as I said. The first thing, Paul writes in verse 3 that this gospel is of first importance. You know, the Bible talks about lots of different things. The Bible talks about the history of the world. It talks about science. It talks about how the church is to function around Christian leadership. It talks about spiritual gifts. It talks about how we're to treat each other. But More important than all that, the very central piece of the Bible, the very centerpiece of Christianity is the good news about Jesus. 
And in this text, Paul explains to us the second thing, what he, what it, he explains to us what it is. And, and he explains it this way. He says that Christ died, Christ is Jesus, that Jesus died for sin and then rose from the dead. That is the good news, that Jesus died on a cross to take the punishment for our sin, what we deserve for our sin, that death sentence that we deserve for our sin. Jesus died for that and then rose from the dead to give us new life, to restore our relationship with God. Friends, that is the good news. It's explained to us. This passage tells us that it's through Jesus' death and resurrection that we are saved. Saved from what? Saved from eternal death. Saved from the wrath of God. Saved from separation from God. Jesus restores all those things for us. He gives us new life. He restores the relationship with God. He forgives us for our sin. The fourth thing it says is that gospel, that this gospel message must be received. It's like a gift that God is offering each one of us. And just like a gift is offered, we must receive it. We must say, yes, I want that gift. I want that eternal life. I want my sin forgiven. And the fifth thing, this gospel is the foundation of our lives, that because of what Jesus has done for us, we are motivated to live a life that honours him. Friends, this is the good news that Christ died for sin, that it's a message that needs to be accepted. It's the message that we build our lives upon. Now, I started with this question. Is good news really good news if people don't hear it? And if we think about the good news in, in the context of what I've just talked about from 1 Corinthians 15, the good news about Jesus. Well, is the good news about Jesus good, really good news to people if they haven't heard it, well, I'm unsure about that. If you've heard it and you've received it, well, then it is the greatest news that you could ever want, experience. It's the greatest news ever. But if someone has not heard it, well, it's not great for them. Because if they haven't heard it, how are they supposed to receive it? How are they supposed to build their life on it? Friends, people need to hear the good news about Jesus. We've heard from Gabby this morning about what she's doing in East Hills Girls. And next week, we're going to hear from Kath about what's happening in the primary schools and how we can be um, involved in teaching special religious education, SRE, scripture teaching in schools. Scripture teaching is, has an important place in my heart. When I was um, back in 1985, I was in Utuits in at Padstow Park Public School back in 1985. I was sitting in a scripture class and this scripture teacher came and taught us. She was a lady in her 30s from what I remember as a young kid. She had brown hair and I can't remember, can't remember the lesson that day, but she taught the lesson and then at the end of the lesson she said, if you want to commit your life to Jesus, stay at recess and we'll pray a prayer to become a Christian or something like that. I can't remember the exact words. But I, I remember the moment where I sat in that classroom at Padstow Park Public School in Year 2. If you know the school, 
it was the room in the infant section in that two-story building, the uh, corner room downstairs um, in the L-shaped part of that building. And I was sitting in that room and at recess, I prayed the prayer to become a Christian and that moment radically transformed my life. Radically transformed my life. About 10 years ago, I went on a search to find that scripture teacher. I spoke to the local scripture teachers and the coordinator in that area and I asked who was teaching year two scripture at Padstow Park back in 1985 and they couldn't find out for me. I went to the school and I said, who was teaching SRE to year two kids in 1985 and they didn't have records. The reason I wanted to find out is because I wanted to go back to that scripture teacher and to say to her, thank you for sharing with me the good news about Jesus. Thank you for giving me something that you had because it radically impacted my life. I wanted to say thank you to her. And friends, this message that we have in the gospel, friends, it is good news for us if we received it. But if someone has not yet received it, friends, I'm not too sure if it's good news for them until they actually hear about it. This morning, I want to take you to Romans chapter 10. And in Romans chapter 10, Paul is writing to a bunch of Christians in Rome. And the first eight chapters of Romans, Paul presents the gospel message pretty much. And if you haven't read Romans chapter 1 through 8, I encourage you to read it. It's an incredible read. And in this passage, Paul describes what Jesus has done for us through his death and his resurrection. And then when we hit Romans chapter 9 through to 11, Paul then speaks about the Jews, about the Israelites of whom he was one. He, well, he, he is one. He's, he's a Jewish person who's chosen to follow Jesus. And he talks about how the Jews were given all the promises of God, that they were God's chosen people, and God told them about the Messiah, but they missed it. And he talks about the anguish that is in his heart for God's chosen people, that God's done all this stuff for them and yet they miss Jesus. And without Jesus, they are lost. They aren't saved because it's only through Jesus that people are saved. Let's have a look at this text from Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Paul writes this, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and riches all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then in verse 14, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it's written, how beautiful the feet of, of those who bring good news. Let's go back to um, verse 9 and we'll pull this text apart. Now it starts with something a bit interesting here. Paul writes, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, well then you'll be saved. 
Now that's an interesting phrase. And if you look back a little bit, the verses before it, Paul talks about believing in our heart and confessing in our mouth and, and, and looking for the truth. Now what he's doing there, he's referring back to Deuteronomy chapter 30, where Moses talked about the law and that God gave his people the law. And in, De- in Deuteronomy chapter 30, Moses writes to the people, you don't have to go looking for the law in all different places. For God's already given it to you. He's put it in your heart. He's put it on your mouth. He's speaking about it. And Paul grabs that old covenant thought about what God has given them. And he says, now God has given you a new thing, a new covenant, and it's through Jesus. And if you believe in your heart that Jesus has risen from the dead, and if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved just as God gave the law and, and you believe it in your heart in the old covenant. God has done it in the new, new covenant in a new way through Jesus. And if you believe, it says here, for if, if it's with your, it's, if, if it, say that again, for it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. The word justified means that God sees you just like you've never sinned. And it's with your mouth that you profess and you profess your faith and that you're saved. And as I looked at this, the commentators say that this is all one thing. It's not like trying to say, well, if you believe in your, believe in your heart, well, that's salvation, but that's different from confessing with your mouth. No, it's, it's, it's meant to be all together where we are justified and saved by putting our trust in Jesus. That's the first thing, verse 9 through 10. And then through 11 through 12, notice who this gospel is for, who this believing in Jesus is for. He says here, as the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. He says there is no difference between the Jews and the Gentiles, for Jesus is Lord of all, both Jews and Gentiles. Notice he says it's for all. Again, it's for all. And then in verse 17, it is for everyone, everyone who came, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For this is the message of the good news, that all people, it doesn't matter what your, your background is, your nationality, your family, your socioeconomic status, it doesn't matter your language, doesn't matter where you come from, friends, everyone has the opportunity to be saved through Jesus. And then in verse 14, Paul has this really rational argument. And if you're a rational thinker, this is going to make a lot of sense to you. He says, how then can they call? Now that that idea call goes back to what we read in verse 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. People who recognize who he is can put their trust in him. How then can they call on the one they've not believed in? And again, I went to a commentator and said, what's he trying to say here? Well, this calling is about saving faith and this belief in, believed in is around knowledge about who he is. How can they put their faith in him? How can they call on him if they don't know who he is? The second question he says is, how can they believe? How can they put their trust in him, Jesus, in the one of whom they've not heard? And that concept is that people need to hear the teachings of Jesus and they hear that through the word as people talk about what Jesus said, how can they believe in the one they haven't heard speak? What does he say? What does he think? Who is he really? They need to hear Jesus speaking through his word, through other people, if they're going to put their trust in him. The third question, 
And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? If no one tells them about Jesus, how can they possibly believe in him? And verse 15, and how can anyone preach unless they are sent? Now, verse 15, no doubt Paul's talking about himself and other people like Barnabas and the apostles at the time, people who were sent out by the local church to preach the message of Jesus. And there was lots of those. It wasn't just the 12 and Barnabas and Paul. There were lots of people sent out to preach the message of Jesus. And then the last sentence is, as it is written, how beautiful the feet of those who bring good news. And this is a quote Paul uses from Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7, where it's talking about people bringing the good news that God is going to bring people out of captivity from Babylon back to Jerusalem. How much greater is the message that we proclaim that Jesus has come to rescue humanity, rescue sinners? The whole point of these verses here from verse 14 to 15 is this. People can't respond to Jesus unless they hear about him. People can't respond to Jesus unless they hear about him. And friends, this is a principle for life. You know, when a kid who's five years of age goes to kindergarten in their first year of school, goes to school for the first time, how can we expect a little child to be able to read or write unless someone tells them how to do it, unless someone teaches them? How can we expect children to have good manners if no one's taught them or no one's shown them what good manners are? How can we expect 16-year-old kids to, to uh, jump in a car and just drive it hundreds of kilometres if someone doesn't sit next to them and teach them how to turn on an ignition and how to use the brake, how to put the car in gear and use the accelerator? They need to be taught. How can we expect people to turn up to a party, a birthday party or a wedding, unless they're invited, unless they're told about the party? It's a basic principle. And how can we expect people to put their trust in Jesus when they don't hear about him, when they don't know about him? How can we expect people to rely upon him and have saving faith in Jesus? How can we expect people to receive what he's done for them if they haven't heard the message, if they haven't heard the good news? How can we expect it? People need to hear the good news if they're going to receive it. You know, last week I was um, in my backyard with my dog. We've, we've had a dog for about a year. It's, the dog's name's Monty. There he is there, and he's, he's a nice dog. It really is. It's, 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 it's a nice dog as, as, as dogs go. But let me tell you, this dog's a pain in the butt. Whenever I sit on my back veranda or on my back lounge, it jumps up and wants to lick my face and I keep pushing it away. When I sit there with a, with a cup of tea, my crumpet with my Bible, it wants to eat my crumpet with honey on it. I say, go away, Monty. And then it poos all over the backyard. It digs up the garden. And then what it's done recently, it's made a track in my grass. Hopefully you can see that track where it's walked from one side of the house to the other and it's made this, this track and it's, and it's worn out my grass. And friends, if you know me, I like my grass. And so I'm thinking to myself, how do I fix this problem? How do I get the dog walking around this track? So I, I, I grabbed my son, Joel, and we got some fence spikes. And we hit them into the ground. And then we got rope. And these fence spikes had a couple of holes in them. And so we fed the rope through the fence spike around to keep, to keep the dog off the track. The bottom rope, however, didn't have a hole and we just sort of tied it on. Well, 
It uh, worked for a couple of days. The uh, dog jumped over it and went around it, but he didn't walk on that track, which was, which was the plan. But after a couple of days, that, that uh, bottom rope started to sink down, started to get lower and lower and lower because there was no hole. And so I uh, said to Joel one, one morning, I said, Joel, I'm uh, going out today. I've got lots of meetings on for church. Can you please get the uh, drill, the power drill with the chuck key and drill a hole in the metal stake so we can put the rope through? He looked at me. I thought he understood. I left, went and did what I did that day, came back home. I looked in the backyard and Joel hadn't drilled the holes. And I said, hey, Joel, I asked you to drill the holes. Why didn't you do it? And he said, Dad, I don't know how to use the power drill. I said, what do you mean, Joel? We've used drills before. And he said, yeah, Dad, I've used the cordless drill, but never the power drill with the chuck key, so I didn't know how to do it. And I was like, of course. <laughs> how could he possibly do something he didn't know how to do? I asked Joel to do something. He didn't know how to use the power drill, didn't know how to use the chuck key. And if he did, it might have been dangerous. I'm glad he didn't do it because he'd never been taught. And the reason I tell this story is just like people need to hear the message of Jesus, otherwise they can't respond. Friends, we need to tell them. We need to tell people about Jesus because people can't respond to Jesus unless, unless they hear about him. Friends, if you're sitting in front of your computer today, in front of your computer at home, if you're sitting with your family and, 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 and you are a Christian this morning, you have received the good news about Jesus. Friends, if you've received it, if you've accepted it, you are saved. You have eternal life. You have, a, you have your relationship with God reconciled. You have relationship with God. And friends, it is good news for you. But how about those you work with? How about your neighbours in your street? How about those you go to school with, those you go to university with? How about those you do gaming with or, or, in, your, or, or in your sporting club? Have they heard the good news? Have they received the good news? And here's the really important question. Who is going to tell them the good news about Jesus? Who is going to tell them? Now, you might say, well, in the passage, Nathan, in Romans chapter 10, it talks about those who were sent. And in, and in the context, it was about Paul and Barnabas and the other Christian leaders who were recognized as that gift, and they sent them out into the world. And friends, for May Mission Month, we can be deliberate in our giving and support those that are being sent, like Jackie with Entheos, like Gabby in the school with what Operation Amore is doing. We can give, and those we support... In Cambodia, with the center, we financially support them presenting the message of Jesus to their communities. Friends, we can allow the professionals to do it and we can say, well, that, that our verse in Romans 10 said it, it's for them. But that's not the only verse that talks about people sharing the message of Jesus. In, in the Great Commission that Jackie reminded us of in the first week of May Mission Month, in, in the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says to, the, to his disciples, he says, go and make disciples and baptize them. And then he says this, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. I love that. And teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And Jesus has just told his disciples to go 
and instruction to go and share. And then those disciples are to teach what Jesus told them to do, which means to, for them to go and share. And from generation to generation, since Jesus walked on this planet, died, rose again, ascended into heaven, people have been sharing the message of Jesus, not just those who were sent, the, the, the capital M missionaries, the capital M, the capital E evangelists, but from generation, every Christian has been called to share the message of Jesus with their family, with their friends, with their neighbours, with those in their universities, with those in their schools. God is calling me, God is calling you to share this message of Jesus with the world. Friends, it is truly the good news. It is truly the message that saves. And friends, we need to be deliberate in that. We need to be deliberate with our friends and our families. We've got to think about God and we've got to pray, God, give me an opportunity to share. We need to be deliberate in sharing our story of how Jesus has changed our life. We need to be deliberate, being deliberate in spending time with people who don't know Jesus, having people who don't know Jesus in our homes and building friendships and then sharing what God has done in our lives with them, having coffees with people in the workplace, being deliberate. And we can also be deliberate in sharing the gospel by supporting May Mission Month. Friends, the message of Jesus is truly the good news. It is truly good news. But I wonder if it's good news to people who have not yet heard it. God is calling us, his church, to share the good news, the greatest news with those who don't yet know it. God is directing us. God has empowered us with his Holy Spirit. God, has, God is calling us to take our place, to work with him, to partner with him in sharing this message of Jesus with the world. One last story to finish. And this is a this is a fictitious story. It's a fictional story. It's not true. And I emphasize it's not true. But this story has a has a has a huge kicker to it. The story goes like this. There was once a researcher who had been researching the cure for cancer for 30 years, and after 30 years of solid research, he found it. He found the cure for cancer. And rather than proclaiming the good news that he's found this cure, he wrote down the cure, the formula, the way to, to destroy all cancer cells in a person's body. He, he knew it worked, and he, and he wrote down how it, was how it would happen, and he stuck it in the top drawer of his desk and locked it. He didn't proclaim it. He told no one about it. Well, after a few years later, the man passed away and someone went in, someone went in to clean out his office and they opened that top drawer and inside they found the cure for cancer and this person found it. They tested it, it worked, and they proclaimed this good news that they found the cure for cancer and rather than this researcher being celebrated for his find because of the change it was going to make in the world. This researcher was known as one of the most horrible people in history because they had found the cure for cancer and told nobody about it. The cure that would have saved thousands and thousands and thousands of lives 
from once he found it to his death. It could have saved thousands of lives, and yet he didn't tell anybody about it. Friends, I said it's a fictional story because it isn't true, but wow, is it powerful. How much greater news do we have as Christians? We don't just have the cure for, to, to live a few more years to extend our life. We have the cure for sin and death. We have the cure to forgive sin. We have the cure for eternal life, friends. It is through Jesus, the good news, that through his death, that he died on a cross as a way to forgive us for our sin, to deal with God's anger, to restore our relationship with God. And it's through his resurrection we can have eternal life. Friends, we have the answer for eternal life. How great is that news? And God is calling me, God is calling you, if you're a believer this morning, to be deliberate in sharing it with the world. For it is only truly good news if people hear it, if they understand it and receive it. And God wants us to proclaim this good news to the world. Now, if you're sitting at home this morning and you've heard me talk about this good news around forgiveness, around eternal life, and you have not yet committed your life to Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity so you can receive forgiveness, that you can have eternal life. And if you want it, I'm going to pray a prayer. I encourage you to pray this prayer after me. God will hear it. It is the prayer to become a Christian. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you just prayed that prayer, you've just become a Christian. Please click on the prayer tab and let us know you prayed it or go to our website, go to our new here, put your details in because we want to help you on this journey. To finish this morning, I want to pray for every person who's watching this who has committed their life to Jesus. I'm going to pray that God would put a deep desire in us, a passion in us to share this good news with the world. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for this good news, that it's through Jesus' death and resurrection we can have our sin forgiven and have eternal life. Friends, it is the best news. Father, we thank you that it is the best news. Father, I pray, Father, we pray that you would put a desire in us, a passion in us to present this message with the world. Holy Spirit, I I pray, we pray, Lord, that you would fill us, baptize us afresh, immerse us with your Spirit, empower us, Lord, with your Spirit that we may be your witnesses. Father, we ask for opportunities to present the message of Jesus. We want to pray, Father, for our neighbours, our friends, our family, those in our schools, our workplaces, our universities, people that we know. Father, we pray that you will be preparing their hearts. Prepare their hearts, Lord, for an opportunity to present the message of Jesus. Father, we pray those opportunities will come where we'll have the opportunity to to share what you've done in our lives. Father, change our hearts. Help us to look for opportunities. Rise up a passion in us to share this message of Jesus with the world, the best news, the greatest news. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Friends, we have the good news of Jesus. 
It is the best news. Let's be deliberate in sharing it with those who need it. Thanks for being part of the service today. Thanks for watching. I encourage you to go to our online Zoom for our campuses, connecting there. Otherwise, I'll see you next week. God bless. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church Podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers.